The West Photo Podcast. 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 Hello and welcome to the West Photo Podcast, hosted by the West Photo team. Me, Livia Smith, and the wonderful Anna John. West Photo is a photographic agency and picture library linked to the University of Westminster. We provide bespoke photo printing, set up collaborative art projects and offer editorial and design services. Throughout this series, we will be interviewing individuals who work in the visual arts, discussing their career and relationship with photography. For this episode, we had the pleasure of talking to Jim Stevenson. Stevenson is a photographer and filmmaker concerned with the documentation of architecture, interiors and the built environment. He began his career as an architectural technologist. However, after taking pictures for his practice, he eventually decided to step away from designing buildings and instead chose to photograph them as a full-time career. Today, Stevenson works across the UK and around the world. His client list includes names such as Ali's and Morrison, Studio Weave, Grimshaw Architects, Sue Fujimoto, Squire and Partners, MNC Saatchi, and many more. His images have featured in a number of well-known publications. These include The Sunday Times, The Guardian, The Observer, The Evening Standard, The New York Times, The Financial Times, Icon, Architecture Today, The Architecture's Journal, Building Design, Blueprint and Deezen, amongst others. Alongside his photographic work, Jim runs the creative platform MiniClick, a series of free talks that are held every month in Brighton, during which an artist is invited to speak about their practice. I got to know Jim over a year ago. Being originally from Brighton myself, I was curious to find out more about what he does and the fantastic community he has created. After going to several mini-click events and getting to know the rest of the team, I even ended up speaking at one with the creative partner of my zine, Phoebe Mead. This was a fantastic opportunity and provided me and Phoebe with such valuable experience. It was great seeing Jim to record this and I want to take the opportunity to thank him for his time. He'd been working on the day and came all the way to Central to see us, so we really appreciated it. Anyway, enough rambling from me and over to the lovely Jim Stevenson. Started as an architectural technologist. Yes. What is that? <laughs> we were trying to figure it out earlier. <laughs> an architectural technologist is the is supposed to be the link between the architect and the engineer. So right. I, so my dad, I always wanted to be an architect since I was a kid, and my dad is an engineer. So engineers tend to have a pretty healthy distrust of architects. So I think subconsciously, <laughs> rather than just doing architecture. I think subconsciously I sort of went my dad's way a little bit and that was a compromise in my head that I did architectural technology so I was supposed to be able to design buildings but also figure out how to make them stand up in practice you end up just being an architect but that's kind of what it is nice yeah how come you decided to kind of shift careers and go into photography it's like with most things it's kind of a combination of a lot of different things that happened in my life at the time but when I was at university I had to work abroad for a little I had to work for a little while so I went abroad to work in America for an architect there and it was part of a course we had to work a year in industry so I worked for an architect in America and he was a big photographer or 
you know, it wasn't a famous photographer, but really enjoyed photography, took a lot of pictures. Mm. And he sort of instilled in me this idea that if you, because if you're an architect, you might spend like 10 years designing a building before yeah. it gets built. And he always said, if you can spend that much time doing all the, because essentially you're just working with compositions if you're doing elevations. If you can do all of that, then at least you should be able to take a picture of it as mm. well. So I kind of got into photography through him a little bit. And then when I came back, I mean, architecture has always been my passion, so I came back and I qualified and then started working for different practices, but I, I sort of became a little bit disillusioned with it. I wanted to do lots of social work, like social housing and, and things like that, and I ended up doing work that I wasn't necessarily that proud of and getting quite... It became it was quite a political uh, industry to work in. And I ended up... So I sort of ended up getting a bit disillusioned with it and, and I was taking some photographs of the practice that I was working for at the time and then other practices saw those pictures and asked me to come take their pictures for them and I initially went half time, part time so I was doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday as an architect and Thursday, Friday as a photographer which was just not sustainable, <laughs> I lasted about three weeks um, and then I just decided to jump and go for um, photography from there mm. Yeah, and I, I honestly don't really miss working in practice I love architecture is definitely my passion even over photography but I do I, the thing that I miss about it is sketching which I can just do anytime yeah, yeah. I, I don't I'm definitely very happy as a photographer it kind of seems like with to me from the outside architecture is this thing where there's a pretty solid you know you train you learn your craft mm. and then you have a career and it seems like a pretty set path Whereas mm. photography and like visual arts is maybe not so much like that. I mean, it's such a uh, what's the word? It, you know, it's a vocational degree. It's yeah. an arts degree. It's yeah. a B, it's BA degree, but it's such a vocational degree. And and also, by the time you've spent like seven, five years at university, and then however long afterwards doing the different part three, part two, and part threes that you have to do to qualify, you might not actually qualify as an architect until you're sort of in your 30s yeah. by the time you've done that what are you going to do just sack it off like you, you yeah. kind of have to feel like you've got to finish it and it's changing a little bit now some mm. architects go into journalism or curating or things like yeah. that but um, it is a bit more rigid I think um, out of all the arts degrees it's definitely the most vocational I think Yeah. so did you see that shift as a possible risk then going moving from that to photography yeah absolutely yeah definitely and also like you've got to remember that I really, that was, since I was like able to discuss what I wanted to do when I was mm. an adult, that's all I wanted to do as well, except for mm. I probably wanted to be a footballer for a little while. <laughs> Pop star. Yeah, uh, <laughs> pilot maybe. Um, but the, so it, there was, it, was, it wasn't an easy decision to make, like you're leaving quite a lot behind, mm. quite a lot of dreams and ideas of what your life's going to be like behind. It was definitely a risk as well. I mean, I didn't have any savings, and, and, mm. and it was at a time when architecture was in architecture got sort of hit first by the recession in about what, fifteen years, ten years ago. So it was at a really low point in with the economy, which is really boring. But um, so yeah, it was definitely risky. Kind of fortunate, I guess. I'm not. I don't have any like. I'm not. I'm not. I don't have any savings, or I didn't have any savings at the time, and I don't have any like family money at the time. But I have a supportive family, so I knew mm. that if it went really bad, the worst case scenario was that I'd have to move back to Norfolk. <laughs> oh my god! Like, I mean, it's it's a lot scarier than it sounds, but it's not the worst thing in the world. So, 
you can sort of make those risks. It wasn't like I was risking everything, but yeah. it was definitely a, a risk for sure. At, at Westminster, we run our BA full-time and part-time, mm -hmm. and a lot of the part-time students um, are mature students, and they come to photography at a later point in their life. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious whether you have any advice for them in terms of kind of going through a, quite a radical career shift. Yeah, I think probably they're doing the right thing. Like, going... A lot of people... You see a lot of people who sort of get to their 40s or whatever... I'm not there yet, but get to their 40s and they've kind of, they've decided to do a career shift and mm. because they you know, I seem to see quite a lot of people who worked in like IT or, computer or accountancy mm. and earned quite a lot of money and then, but it wasn't a fulfilling job for them, I'm not saying those jobs can't be fulfilling, but it wasn't a fulfilling job for them and so they've decided to be a photographer, but all they've done is bought a nice camera and, mm. and they can take like, they can probably take the best pictures out of their family members, yeah. so they're known as the photographer in the family. But then they don't make any effort to progress from there and educate yourself. And I think if you know if you have mature students who are doing part-time courses, that's they're, they're getting an education. They're actually dedicating themselves to it and applying some sort of uh, logic to the decision rather than just saying, "Oh, I can be a photographer." But also, I think it's really important as well. I guess that by that point in your life, you've kind of you've seen a, you've, you've sort of formed what you like and what you don't like. Mm -hmm. Some new things come and go, but. You know, I guess maybe you're a bit more uh, formed in your opinions, and you might have a slightly better idea of what you, what type of photographer you want to be, than you might have when you're 18 going into mm, yeah. it. Maybe, possibly. So I, I think if that is the case, and you're a mature student and you're doing it part time, it'd be really, really start to learn a lot about the the subject of your photography. So for me, architecture. If I was in that situation, I'd be learning about architecture. I'd be reading books and. Mm going on tours and, and going to lectures about that so just I think it's really important when you go either, either well either if you go into education or higher education or further education or whatever or if you come back to it to remember that actually what you're studying is it does, it's something that's in a bubble and yeah. study the things that yeah. affect it and what can affect your work as well whether that be another art form or I don't know if you want to photograph horses go and learn about horses or something I don't know. <laughs> of course because did you, did you have any formal photographic education or was it, are you completely self-taught in terms of like technical and uh, yeah I don't like the term self-taught because nobody is I don't yeah. take it from everywhere but it's I didn't have any education in photography in, in, in a sort of higher education or further education not even at A level mm. so it was it was initially just playing with a camera and doing what everyone does and like taking loads of pictures on film cameras and cross-processing everything because you think it looks cool and then yeah. or when you go digital getting it into Photoshop and putting all the sliders up to the mm. most and messing around with and then you just sort of go through all those phases that everyone goes through and so I did all of that it's just I did it in my 20s rather than in my teens mm. when I guess I would have done it if I'd gone into photography education but the education that I've had has been with Miniclick you know, I wanted to be. A, I decided to go into photography, but I knew that I didn't know. I had no history or um, theory or any of that. I didn't have any knowledge of. You know, people would say, "Oh, we go to this exhibition," and I wouldn't know any of their names. <laughs> and I didn't know any photographers. So, Miniclip became that that education for me. And I and I'm not saying that if you need that education, you need to set up <laughs> a free photography series of lectures. But go to them. Like there's some in London. Yeah. There's some. There's all over the place. Yeah, that was in, that was my education. 
So many cakes developed out of your own curiosity about the medium mm. and its practitioners? Or? Well, I was just saying about mature students and, mm. and making an effort to sort of learn outside of your little bubble. When, when I decided to switch to photography, I started going to lectures in Brighton and photo works would do like three or four a year. There was a, cam- there was a camera club in Brighton. And so there was a few little things going on. And I went to some of the photo works lectures, which were great. It was like, I think I saw Tillman's do something. And yeah. It was really like high quality yeah, photographers. Yeah, great speakers. Nadav I think I saw at some mm-hmm. point. Um, yeah, really great speakers. But they were the talks were really academic and really... Um, you know, the speaker was behind a lectern. They were not accessible in the slightest. Mm-hmm. And they just, that was just the style. I'm not saying that's a bad way to do it, yeah. but that was just the style of talks. And there was only sort of a season of them a year. And then the camera club is just, it's just a camera club. Like, I'm not, I don't <laughs> care about cameras in the slightest. Um, and it's all like, it's very stuffy. And I didn't want to get involved in that. Um, so with Mini Clicket, I just, instead of lamenting that, uh, something more informal and social didn't exist I just set it up and I did four which the, I set up the first four talks in September 2010 so September, October, November, December mm-hmm. and it was basically four friends and who were photographers actually none, none of them were photographers they were just very good at photography and they um, and they were thought that we did them in a cafe in Brighton and they were absolutely packed and and there was enough people there asking to do if, if if we could have more going on and it just grew from there and now it's what, eight years old nearly um, yeah how many have you done now? I don't know <laughs> <laughs> a million been, it's been one so in Brighton we've done one a month since September 2010 but we've so also good. done like other one lots of one-off events um, and then in London we've done like a probably I don't know probably at least two or three a year and then we've done stuff in Derby and Liverpool and in Leeds well, Leeds yeah, yeah we've now got Mini Click in Leeds we've, done something, we've got Mini Click in Edinburgh now we did something in Sierra Leone a few years ago so what? it's sort of uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you how many we've done yeah. Um, yeah I mean on that scale though it's like how what are the practicalities of making it work and making it happen because I know that you get the free space in Brighton and that's kind of you have yeah. a really nice deal with those guys and it works like that but I mean just like overall it's that's a big thing to drive and how does it work I mean uh, yeah I mean we're, we're totally reliant on goodwill from other yeah. people like the venue gives the venue for free I mean we do bring in a massive group of people who are all drinking and spending money in the mm-hmm. bar so it's not totally philanthropic for them but it is yeah that is goodwill and then we don't pay our speakers because we can't because we're not yeah. funded um, so that, that's goodwill there, and then, um, but the teams now are, there's eight of us in the team. So one person in Leeds doing everything in Leeds, three of us in Brighton, and three in London. That's only seven. <laughs> <laughs> um, Who have you forgot? There's four in Brighton, um, <laughs> and uh, so we spread it out quite thinly. It took me a while to because to, initially it was just me, so it took me a little while to let go of that and let go of control mm. a little bit. But now we've got Bryony Good, Lauren Holder and uh, Marta Benavides mm. in Brighton. And actually, I've they kind of run everything and I'm left mm. to do the, the sort of bigger projects, the festival projects we do. Mm. Lou Miller and I do the festival, the big you know, format, whatever. Mm. We arrange that. But um, so it's, I think it's a lot less work than people think it would be. People think, oh, how do you have time? But really, all it is is I email 
a photographer whose work mm. I like and I mm. say would you be able to come to Brighton to do a talk we'll buy you a couple of drinks we'll pay for your train and they say yes or no if they say yes they send us some dates and I email the venue and say um, can we do on this so I mean ideally it can be like three emails and then you're mm. done right? so yeah. it's, it's kind of I think the idea of it is a big thing like if people were looking to do it their, themselves they think oh that must be huge but actually as long as you don't procrastinate it's a pretty yeah. simple thing to do and like when I, when I did it with you guys and like talking to Bryony and stuff like it, it, it's so like that it just kind of clicks together really nicely and organically and mm-hmm. like you said it's just goodwill and you realise how small the community is and how nice it is as well and it's especially like when I was studying me and I have spoken about this just approaching people and asking for things, it's a lot easier than you think. Well, you kind of have that idea, don't you, of the, the, those photographers, the people who are out there doing stuff. You sort mm. of put, almost put them on a bit of a pedestal and yeah. you think that they're like, they must be totally unapproachable. But you can pretty much email anybody. Yeah, and, definitely. And, you know, you might not, with some of the bigger photographers, you might get a response from their studio manager or something. Mm-hmm. But most people will get back to you. And, and most people in photography are pretty decent about sharing ideas or thoughts and the ones that aren't you kind of know the ones that aren't so you don't bother mm. but your talk was a really good example of of that community particularly in Brighton I mm-hmm. suppose because you turned up to give a talk and our venue wasn't even oh, yeah. open and they've got the dates mixed up so in in about 12 minutes we'd organised a new venue got a projector and got a screen set yeah. up instantly because everyone mucked in and everyone was like oh we can do it over here we'll sort this mm-hmm. out and so I think as long as you're it, if you approach it with a very open, uh, if you approach the industry or however you want to describe the photography world in a really kind of open way and, and generous way, then you pretty much just get that back. And, yeah. and every now and again you meet someone who you don't get that back from and you just don't worry about them. Yeah, and you wouldn't want to work with those kind of people anyway. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It really highlights the sense of community that does exist, I think. Mm. It totally does. It's really, it's really nice. You don't often think of the art world like that. I guess if you're from the outside of it, you don't yeah. think of it. But it really, really is a, a really quite a really beautiful thing, quite an open world. I mean, a lot of I got married two years ago, and a lot of previous MiniClick speakers who I met at MiniClick came to my wedding and stuff. Oh, you know, it's great. kind of it's quite a lovely thing. Yeah. So alongside MiniClick, you also run some other projects. <laughs> yeah. How do you time manage everything? Um, not brilliantly. <laughs> I spoke to, I guess this is probably a well-known um, metaphor, but I remember talking to Chris Floyd, the portrait photographer, about this, about time management. You know, he's got a family, he travels constantly for his work, and um, and he really throws all of his energies into his work. And and on the surface, it, it's the swan, isn't it? On the surface, everything looks very calm and beautiful and graceful, but underneath the water, you're paddling like mad and you're trying to... <laughs> going 12 different directions but I guess the only way to do it is to not make everything you've got to do into a big deal Mm. and because I know some people with emails like it takes them like half an hour to write an email because they'll write it five times and they'll and they'll deliberate whether they should send it or not and Mm. and you can magnify that to every aspect of of organising anything you know and I just think it's just not trying not to make things into a big deal and because otherwise you end up procrastinating and that's where you don't get anything done then, do you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, some, I think some people actually turn procrastination to a really creative tool, but I don't. So I just try and be, I just try and make sure I'm doing stuff and efficient. Mm-hmm. And then also switching off. Like you do have to kind of 
stop as well, which I'm not brilliant at. But. I think that's what a lot of creative people struggle actually, the switching off and putting mm. things aside because on the one hand it's your work but also your passion. Mm. Well, it's also exhilarating, you know, when you finish a body of work mm. and you're really excited about it. And there's a very well-known documentary photographer who I'm good friends with, and we, I won't mention him, his name, but we, we quite often go for drinks and talk, I talk, talk to him about his work and try and help him out a little bit cause he, because he can't switch off. Mm-hmm. And he had a very successful body of work, two in a row actually, really successful out of university. Mm-hmm. And partly it's really exhilarating so you want to do the next one because it's really exciting and also partly you feel a pressure to keep on with that rate and you just can't it's not sustainable so you have to just of course you have to sort of enforce yourself a little bit to stop or you need people around you Mm. who can tell you to stop I think burnout is such a thing in the creative world because You know, if you push it too much, you know, the next project's just going to be crap, isn't it'll it? It'll be half <laughs> your work, it'll be and half the standards be... you can do. Yeah, and also good. that whole burnout thing is it's kind of glamorised a little bit. There's something mm. sort of slightly... The whole, like, oh, cool. I'm so busy, I'm so busy. Yeah, I mean, how often do you say to someone, how are you? And I do, I do it all the time, people ask me how I am, and I'm like, oh, really busy, yeah. <laughs> That's not an answer. Like, how are you is, I've had a really nice day. Like, I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm good today. <laughs> yeah, um, and that, you know, it's definitely a gla- slightly sort of glamorised this idea that we're all supposed to be, we all have to be relentlessly busy all the time, mm. and actually, you just you just can't be, otherwise you just exhaust yourself. Mm, I agree, but I think that's also kind of an issue within the art world a little bit. Everyone's got this poker face on where they, for instance, it gets uh, reinforced by social media like Instagram. Yeah. You constantly just post about your success stories, and it can be quite exhausting. Yeah. Just kind of witnessing that and watching it and wondering why it's not going that way for yourself absolutely like social media is a I'm I'm really pro social media and Mm. and those connections you can make through them so I don't want to be too down on it like a lot of people are really down on it but it is a distillation and and you all you see no one ever puts on you don't see any successful photographers just putting on Twitter, I cannot be asked. I do not want to look at another photograph <laughs> for as long as I live. But sometimes you do wake up and you're just like, I just, mm. I need to just go get the hell away from all of this yeah, for, yeah. for just for five hours and I'll come back to it. But no one posts that, do they? They post, um, got a new commission. Or <laughs> we, I do it all the time. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that'll be my resolution. I'll start posting when, I've had, when I'm having bad days. Yeah, hashtag I'm not alright. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously you're in London today, yeah. um, and, but you're based in Brighton. Mm. What do you think about the pressure to be in London and to, you know, if you really want to make it yeah. in the industry, you have to be in London, you have to, you know, start your career there. You're making it work. You know, what do you think about that whole idea? And I get, well, first of all, I guess I'm in a slightly different position because my work's my work is all location based mm-hmm. so I don't require a studio and I have to I have to travel to get to the building that I'm photographing so it doesn't really matter if I'm travelling an hour from Brighton up to London or you know two minutes down the road on the tube but I, I do think that that London thing is a little bit um, it's a bit self-perpetuating you know it's, it, it's a, it only really exists because we all tell ourselves that yeah. you have to be in London and if we all just stopped and said Actually, we could all move to the countryside and probably still be okay. Like, mm. and, and a lot of photographers, this is what we just talked about, how open and generous. One thing you don't hear is a lot of photographers don't live in London, but they have on a website London-based photographer. Nobody <laughs> says, 
uh, Totten Hill based photographer or something like that you know it's I live in North Norfolk or something but um, (laughs) Totten Hill that's one for the Norfolk crowd I think they all know Um, so I I think it's a bit self-perpetuating I definitely think it helps like because you know you've got more connections and you can um, and it's cheaper because you don't have to spend 20 quid on the train to get if you want to go and meet a picture editor or something like that Mm. so it, it it helps particularly at the beginning of your career to get yourself out there and, and for people to see your face and, and get to know you. But there is a point where you just don't need to do that anymore. And yeah. the convenience of having those people on your doorstep is not as significant anymore because you've made those connections and you can travel up and see them. And actually the the lifestyle that you want might not be in London. It might be. You might want to stay in London for your whole life. And that's wonderful. But for me, I want it to be by sea. So I... Mm. Moved to Brighton. I haven't. I've never lived in London. I moved to Brighton to go to university and have stayed. Um, and there's lots of people who live in. He, there's loads of successful photographers who don't live in Brighton and in, in uh, London. Um, so yeah, it's kind of. I think it's, it's something that probably most people should do for a bit, but you, it's, you don't need to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a great city. Though. I do yeah. feel like as a student, I was given the impression that it is really important to be here in London and I do feel like it's good to hear that it's not a necessity. <laughs> yeah. I definitely don't think it is I mean really what do you need it for like I mean it's it's good for going to private views really once you start becoming a, a, a commercial or a practicing art photographer it's really the most useful way to get work or to get commissions or to meet the people who are going to exhibit or publish your work is by going to events they're going to be at and most of those events are in London so it's kind of useful for that on that aspect, but I mean, so many people make it work without it. Um, yeah. And if you see on someone's website based in London, just pinch yourself. Know, yeah, <laughs> not always. Most of the time, but not always. So, if you could give your younger self a piece of professional advice, what would that be right now? Uh, stop for lunch. I didn't have any lunch today. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I I mean, I didn't take the most logical route into photography, or the most you know standard route at all but actually my the education that I got from architecture informs my work all the time so you could sort of say well maybe I wouldn't study architecture maybe I'll just go straight to photography but I definitely wouldn't be in the position I am now if I hadn't learned about architecture and studied it quite intensely for quite a long time and worked as an architect so I don't know it probably would be um have lunch I'm sticking with that just remember <laughs> to have lunch, lunch. I d- <laughs> look after there's a thing like you think yeah look after yourself basically mm, and yeah. I, I'm not very good when I'm hungry because particularly if I'm on a shoot because I get my oh energy oh god Anna is. maybe we should stand <laughs> I did have a bit of banana bread while I was <laughs> walking here <laughs> but um, I, 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 I always used to have like little grab and go lunches and think I've got to get back to it I've got to get back to it and then mm. one day I was like actually what if I just take like an hour and a half for lunch and I just sat down with my sister and we went to the pub. We didn't drink for an hour and a half. We went to the pub and had like a nice cooked lunch mm-hmm. and we went back to work. And we, I produced exactly the same amount of images of quality that the client wanted. So it kind of, I guess that kind of takes a bit of confidence in your own self to get to that point. But I actually realised I'm not, I'm, it may seem like I'm just talking about lunch because I'm hungry right now. No, no, no. <laughs> but it, this applies, you know, universally. Yeah. You can just, mm-hmm. you can afford to just slow down a little bit. Um, in some aspects and maybe that would be a bit of advice it goes back to that whole burnout thing of just 
you don't always have to be busy you don't always mm. have to be so rushed off your feet and actually taking a bit of time to think about you know what you're going to do and yeah totally totally I definitely so healthy mm. um, yeah what's next for you do you have any projects lined up oh well, I've got this big thing coming up in New York now this uh, social housing film um, so that's kind of that, that's submitted today that's been such a weight off on, on my mind for such a long time yes. and I'm doing a lot of video work now, a lot more than I was two years ago. So I've just done another film about um, a set of victims of domestic abuse, and so I guess I'm try- I'm, my work is slowly going more documentary. Uh, I don't mean documentary as the film sense, but documentary in a style. Yeah. Um, documentary architectural work, so I guess that's what's next. Seeing where that goes a little bit. I'm also doing a civil aviation authority exam so I can be a drone pilot which is like doing my driving <laughs> oh test God, again wow. um, so that's coming up but um, this is the first time in today actually oh no I got back on I got back from Italy on Monday so this is the first time in th- in two and a half years professionally where I don't have a trip abroad booked in for work um, which is actually and this is proper first world problems it's lovely getting to travel for your work it's amazing but it's, it, I'm really enjoying the fact that I'm actually just going to be in in the UK for a little bit and, and in Brighton a lot more yeah. and and I can just yeah just hang out and do yeah. more local work for a little bit nice. yeah I don't know there's other stuff coming up but you know what it's like it's all like up there mini clicks yeah. gonna like is blowing up a little bit at the moment we've got we've got an amazing we've got like a perfect little team at the moment so we've got some fun stuff planned i'm meeting somebody a curator tonight about something for brighton photo fringe in october which I, I really want to talk about it i don't know if i should or not <laughs> this is an exclusive no i'm not going to say it because we haven't got funding for it yet okay um but yeah we're we gonna have do something some... to do with brighton fringe it's gonna, we're hoping to do quite a big exhibition for Brighton Fringe, Brighton Photo Fringe in October, yeah, on a subject matter that you might not expect. Interesting. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of taken over my life as well at the moment, planning nice. for that and publishing. I'm working on some publishing things. Cool. You've mentioned funding. Mm. Um, can you give us any advice on funding? I'm probably not the best person to ask because MiniClick is. Is entirely self-funded. It's, it mm. basically it comes out of my bank account. We've had Arts Council funding once. We did a big exhibition on, called Control, and it was amazing. Did you come to Control? Were you, were was you it in Brian? summer? I wasn't. No, I it was in October. It was, no, it was for the Fringe two years ago. Um, but it was. Uh, it was. We had a lot of. Um, uh, we had photographers from Germany and Holland and different places coming over to do talks and exhibit with us and stuff. So we needed funding for that, but that's the only time we've ever had any money. So I don't, and and that was just, I did an Ask Council application and it failed and they told me what to do, so I changed it and it passed. Like, I'm probably not the best person to ask for money. But I will say, if you're a decent human being and you're generous and you are courteous, you can get a lot of stuff as, as on favours basically mm. don't rip anybody off ever <laughs> but if you feel like you've got an understanding with that person you can get a lot of help um, that That's you might otherwise true. you know expect to have to pay for just by being decent to people bargaining yeah but don't ever rip anybody off I'm definitely not <laughs> recommending that <laughs> I can't stress that enough <laughs>
on that note, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. It's no problem. Thanks for asking. Thanks.